Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And we are back for episode 51 of the Catfish and Ice podcast brought to you by DraftKings and we are presented by DraftKings. This is Chad Benton with Pud Bluen and Rich Howe. We are part of the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everyone doing tonight? How's, uh, how, how, how are you doing, Rich and uh, Colin? Doing good. Doing good. Good. Go Suns. So speaking of sun, I got a little sunburn over the weekend. So, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, I'm so there's well, that's probably uh, that's probably good for uh, that's probably good for the Suns as as we're getting some sun and the Suns are playing very well in the NBA playoffs right now. And Colin Colin is a diehard Phoenix Suns fan, so here on the podcast we are all pulling for the Phoenix Suns and we're supporting. We're jumping on the bandwagon. M- much appreciated. Yep, and so uh, let's let's. Let's let you know what we got going on for uh, episode 51 tonight of the Catfish and Ice podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network and presented by DraftKings. Uh, We're about to get into the final four of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's hard to uh, imagine that we've already made it this far, and uh, we've got some pretty intriguing matchups here. We've got Tampa Bay uh, going up against the New York Islanders, of course. And we've also got going on right now the Montreal Canadiens and the Vegas Golden Knights. Who would have saw those two matchups coming up? So uh, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about who we're going for, who we are not going for. We've got to talk about Barry Trotz, the original coach of the Nashville Predators. Uh, he's going to have a forever legacy with this franchise. And so we're going to talk about how this guy just keeps winning no matter where he goes. And he's winning right now for the New York Islanders once again. Ooh. And so we're going to talk about Barry Trotz, and we are going to start building our all-time fantasy Preds lineup. We're going to we're using every player that has ever won or ever wore the Preds sweater. You can pick any of these players and build your all-time lineup. We're going to start doing that tonight with our uh, Fords. We'll go to the defensive side of things in next week's episode. So we're going to start with the forwards tonight. We're going to build our lineups. We're going to go through and do that. And so that, I got to tell you real quick before we get into that, that took a lot of time and effort to go back and look at every player that ever played, figuring out who would make sense on which line. I I really went into it. I don't know about you guys, but I really went into it. So uh, I can't wait to reveal my lineup. I, I struggled a little bit because, as you guys know, I wasn't watching them. I've watched them as long as you have. So while I do know these guys' names and what they did, never really watched them play. So it was a little tough. It was I, I think, even if you did I, watch I them, though, it was. I put a little twist on that. Well, so. All right. Well, hey, we can always quick. count on we can always count on Rich to put a twist on anything in this show. Yep. So uh, that's no surprise there. So again, we are presented by DraftKings, and of course, the NBA playoffs are going on right now. Uh, Collins Phoenix Suns are really cooking. riding hot right now. Yeah, they're cooking. Yeah, they are definitely cooking right now. And so, uh, guess what? 
you can go get the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. My favorite draft, my favorite sportsbook app. I can tell you that. You can go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and bet on any basketball team right now of your choosing. And if you're like Colin, you're going to go ahead and bet on the Suns. That's probably your best bet there. So uh, go download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's code THPN. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Wagers will be paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And so, uh, yeah, we've got the we've got a lot of sports going on right now. And you can get, definitely get in on the NBA playoff action on the DraftKings Sportsbook app using our promo code THPN. Bet on any team that's remaining, you'll win $100 of free site credits. And so, yeah, we got the final four teams left. Tampa Bay, New York Islanders, Montreal Canadiens, and Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, A pretty random final four, if you ask me. Yeah, we can expect Tampa Bay. We can expect Vegas. But Montreal, come on now. No one saw that coming. No one saw that coming, first of all. And the New York Islanders have had a good team here and there. I'm not saying they've been scrubs, but they're in it. And so, uh, yeah, it's a fun Final Four. It makes for very entertaining hockey, even if you're not a fan of one of those four teams. I'm definitely tuned in right now. Uh, we got to see the New York Islanders uh, beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in a very low-scoring but exciting 2-1 to win for the Islanders on uh, Sunday. And so, uh, to hold, first of all, to hold the Lightning to one goal, is uh, pretty amazing right there in itself. And uh, so what are you guys feeling like? Are you guys uh, got a pretty deep-rooted interest in a certain team? Uh, Rich, how about you start it off? Let us know who are you totally invested in and who do you not want to see win this all out of these four teams? The thing, the real quick, the thing about the Islanders lightning game was crazy because the Islanders just totally took Tampa Bay out of their game. Like, they yeah. just clamped down on them, and they, they just couldn't get it. It wasn't the normal um, Tampa Bay team you're used to seeing. So uh, I am rooting for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the reason is I, I love history, and I've been reading up on the history of, of the NHL. They're the oldest team in the league. I know they've won 24 Stanley Cups. It would just kind of be cool to see them get back to that and, and win a 25th just because of the history aspect. Second, I would definitely want to see the Islanders because of the trots and um, just, but, you know, it's, it's crazy to think that we could actually see an Islanders-Canadians matchup. That's, that's kind of crazy. I would have never thought that no. the Canadians would have been in the semifinals for the Stanley Cup. <clears throat> but if you look at their, the way they got there, uh, pretty impressive uh, uh, wins to get there. So They keep proving people wrong. The Canadians <clears throat> just keep do. proving people wrong. I'd like, to see man, I'd like to see old man Shea Weber raise that cup, though. Absolutely. Cool. We'd be happy about that in, here yeah, in Nashville. I, I agree with you on that, especially, I mean, the Canadians went through, like, the gauntlet of that Canada division where it was just a – it was a – during the regular season, it was a bloodbath. I can't say the same for the playoffs. The playoffs kind of had mm-hmm. some surprises in there, but, you know, more power to them. The only thing – the only reason I would say – so I, I'm for an, an Islanders and Canadians final, 
But the only reason I'd go with the Islanders, and I would love to see Shea Weber get a cup, but at the same time, that also means Corey Perry gets a cup. And yeah. that's like, it's like, I, that. I, it's like, yeah, do you want a cup? And, but also, do you want to cut your left toe, your left pinky toe off? Like, that's oh, how I feel gosh. about that. Okay. So, I, I, I'm, I'm more leaning towards the honors just because I love Barry Trotz. I uh, actually, when I lived in Tennessee and growing up in Tennessee, I went to church with Barry Trotz and his family. Um, oh, wow. Great, okay. fa- great family. Uh, just a great human being. When you, when you learn about who Barry Trotz is as a man off the ice, um, you find out how much of a great human being he is. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. you know, a guy that's very humble and a success and, and deserves all the success in the world. Tampa Bay, we've seen it. It's, you know, it's old news. Vegas, I'm sorry. I still feel like they're born on third base. Come on now. Take get, take a couple yes. of years. Wait, so wait a little gonna, bit. Yeah. We're going to get to Barry Trotz a little bit more. We have a whole segment dedicated to uh, Barry Trotz tonight because if you're a diehard Preds fan, you have to go back to where it started. And it started with Barry Trotz. And so we're going to we're gonna give him a whole segment. But when it comes to these four teams, I'm right there with uh, Rich and Colin on this one. I uh, definitely want to see the Canadians and the Islanders face off with each other for different reasons. Uh, when it comes to the Canadians, it's awesome to see a team that no one get a chance to make it this far, make it this far. It's very similar to what the Preds did in, uh, in uh, 2017. Uh, I'm not saying there are similar types of teams, but the point I'm trying to make is whenever you can see an underdog go this far, you want to see it keep happening. And so when it comes to Canadians, that's one of those teams. You haven't seen Canada win a Stanley Cup in a while. And so that's another part of it. And so it's fun. You know, a lot of these uh, diehard uh, hockey fans who live in Canada, they, I mean, I know there's plenty of uh, fans from Canada who are rivals with the Canadians. They're not going for the Canadians. But for a lot of people, it's very cool to see a Canadian team be this far in it. And so for that, that gives me some extra juice for cheering for the Canadians. Obviously, you have Shea Weber. Easy to cheer for him. And then when it comes to the New York Islanders, they're just a fun team to watch. I mean, they they play the game the right way. They got a lot of really uh, good players on that team. And, uh, of course, we have Barry Trotz effect as well. Uh, when you think about the Islanders, you've always got two New York teams in every sport. And so the Islanders are more of the blue-collar team in New York, whereas you got the Rangers. The same goes in the MLB with the Mets and with the Yankees. Uh, you've got the same effect in football with the New York Jets and the New York Giants. Generally speaking, from a lot of people I know from New York, you're split. You're either a Yankees-Giants uh, fan, Rangers fan, or you're a Jets-Mets uh, Islanders fan. It's just, it's kind of split down that way. And so it's kind of cool to see the Islanders make it this far. And so those are two easy teams to cheer for. When it comes to the Vegas mm-hmm. Golden Knights, I'm sorry. I'm so sick of it. I'm sick of their fans. I'm sick of uh, them running <laughs> around thinking that they're like some, you know, I mean, yes, they are a good team. Entitled, but entitled to success is the way I'd put it. Yes. It's just like, I'm over it. I'm sick of it. Really? Uh, the only thing I don't, the only thing I don't like is I really like Mark Andre Fleury like a lot. I do too. But that's the thing. Like, imagine, imagine yeah. if the Preds like started the franchise of Pecorita. You know, like that's how I feel about that. It's just so. Yeah. I, well, just, gonna, just, I feel bitter about it. We're yeah, kind of getting when we reveal our uh, all-time Preds lineup later in this episode. We're kind of going to have some crossover with that because you go back to the early days of the Preds and you look over their roster. Oh my gosh, it's. Slim. It's no, it's <laughs> yes, 
it's very much like, okay, you've got a decent player here, you've got a decent player there, and a lot of guys who did not make it very long in the mm-hmm. NHL. And so Our- it, the expansion rules changed. And so I think that makes Preds no, fans a little bitter. Preds fans who have been it been in it since the beginning. It does. Any any fan who's been a fan of a team who was an expansion team at one point. Mm-hmm. It, it makes you a little bitter to see Vegas just like uh, immediately start off with all the success. They've never experienced a bad team. And they've so, never not made it to the Western Conference Final, isn't that correct? I mean, they've always made it to the Western Conference Final. They've not advanced past it, but I'm pretty sure they made it to the Western Conference Final every year. I know they've made the playoffs every year, which is just yeah, like they, they've just been. I mean, think of how long we had to wait just to make the playoffs. Like it's yeah, just exactly our, our best player right from the rip was our, our draft pick. When we, we, all, we, all, we all know why they changed the expansion rules. It's the oh yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Like from an the people listening, I'm rubbing my fingers together like the money. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I get it. Like the NHL has to make money off these franchises, so they need them to be successful right from the rip. Yeah. It's different than they when they back mm-hmm. when Florida expanded, back when Nashville expanded, uh, Columbus. Like they didn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily the NHL was not in the financial mindset they are now. Right. And so I get it, especially yeah. with Seattle too. Like it's gonna be the same situation. Oh, we got to kind of preface fans like prepare to see Seattle in the playoffs because they'll mm-hmm. probably have a pretty good team. But it's just frustrating from our history because it's like, man, we had to scrape, and, and I mean, for, it took us a long time just to get out of the second, you know, the second pass, second round of playoffs. It's just, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm still a little bitter. Different times, different times. Yeah, unfortunately, but for for Crazy. sure. So, so uh, I guess uh, if we're following the scores right now, Vegas just uh, took the lead. Yeah, on the Canadians, they're up one nothing at the end of the yeah. first period. So we'll keep an eye on that game as we're going through. The episode, and so now let's uh, let's go on to Barry Trotz here. Let's go to the next segment here in uh, episode fifty-one. Uh, so, I know Rich didn't start off as a fan, but I know you still know all about Barry Trotz and his legacy with this franchise. And when he came in, he had not had an NHL coaching job yet. That's what's really cool about this whole story about Barry Trotz, and and kind of why when you ask Preds fans how they feel about Barry Trotz. That, that kind of has a lot to do with it, at least with me anyway, is that he didn't already have a great coaching career, bef- at least NHL coaching career, before he became coach of the Preds. He became what he is today by gradually building up the National Predators. And we just talked about expansion rules and how in those days it wasn't easy. Like you had to work your way up. Well, guess what, everyone? Barry Trotz put the Preds in the playoffs – in his fifth season coaching the team, which is saying a lot. So that was in 2003-2004. The Preds went to the postseason for the first time. And if you look at those rosters for that season, they were very – they had no star power. It was mm. it was just like grind you out. And, you know, Rich likes to talk about the Predator way all the time. Well, the Predator way was definitely built with Barry Trotz. It was a hardworking team. It was not always pretty. Uh, if you if the Preds gave up more than two or three goals, they were probably going to lose because they couldn't score a lot. But they was, they would make you they would make you work for it. I remember it was a very much a bend but don't break style because you had. Yes. I mean, if you if you think about like the the playoff games where we were always in these close games with Carolina. That was every night with the Preds. I mean, they were like you were holding on for defense, and you weren't going to see a lot of offense. You're going to see a lot of keep away sometimes, but it was going to be a very smart defensive team. But you just never knew. 
we were luckily pretty, you know, right from the from the jump, I would say, maybe, let me say two years after we got started, we really got blessed with some good, good goaltending. Um, you know, we, we were really lucky to have some good goaltending to keep us in games, but you know, it was definitely a sweated out style. And that's where the, the mentality of Smashville came from is, we're going to grind it out. We're going to make sure that you leave the arena bruised and we are going to make you work for everything you're going to get from us because we may not have the best skill players, but we're going to be tough. And that was, that was awesome to see. Yeah. So, yeah. So the third season, the Preds were here. They were almost a 500 team already in the third year that they, Barry Trotz was coaching them. They went 34, 36 and nine, nine ties. That was when ties were still around. And wow. so um, he, he, the, 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 when you look back at Barry Trotz's coaching record with the Preds, what you'll see is every year the team improved. They got better. Mm-hmm. The team never went backwards under him up until yeah. when he got let go. So, uh, yeah, the, let's talk about this. And I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but when the Preds parted ways with Barry Trotz, they finished the season with 88 points, 38, 32, and 12. Uh, missed the playoffs for the second straight season. But honestly, here's what I kind of forgot about, honestly, until looking back today. The season before that. Lockout. Yes, the pre- yeah, it was lockout season. I don't even count that. I'm sorry, I don't. That was such a jacked up season. Mm-hmm. You want to think this season was weird? That lockout shortened season was just like basically like, okay, we're just going to play to play. And so I mean, the was, Preds was missed the playoffs. games. Yeah. The Preds missed the playoffs that year. They weren't very good. It didn't work out for them. And then the following season, they almost finished with 90 points. They barely missed the playoffs. And the Preds decided, you know what? Hey, Barry, you've been great. You've been here a while. We love you. Send you off with uh, all this respect and kudos, but we're going a different direction. Peter LaViolette came in. Of course, Peter LaViolette took us to the Stanley Cup. We're not going to take anything away from LaViolette. It's not about LaViolette. But – do we look back on that now thinking, man, should we have kept Barry Trotz? Is it a fair thing to bring well, up? And I think the the frustration was we had another team in our division that was kind of right on their their run, right? Like Chicago, that lockout year, Chicago won that, what I'm going to call Mickey Mouse Cup um, because yeah. it was only a 48-game season. Yeah. Uh, but Chicago was doing so well, and they were our principal rival. And so when you see us in the 5th and Central, 6th and Central, missing you know twice in a row and then before that losing the conference finals it was frustrating but you know hindsight you're, you're right hindsight is 2020 because you look at what he did with the capitals he was never below i mean he was only second place once and the rest of the time he was first the fact that i, really, I think if anybody should be mad that if they let barry trotz go it should be the capitals because he never saw anything but success well that's that, in, that is that very team. true yeah. but yeah it, well, it, it does stink because it's like you want you wanted his first cup to be with us you know yeah, yeah. and so he's got he's got go ahead Go ahead, Rich. I was just going to say real quick, I listened to uh, Adam Bingen's podcast, and they were talking about this this same thing. And uh, they brought up a good point, and it really makes sense. Like, had Barry Trotz not been let go by the Predators, he might not have found the same success. That's you true. know, like, he, he faced some adversity, and, like, then he did get to go to, like, an awesome team coaching Alex Ovechkin or whatever. And um, he, he might, you know, he, he could have used, like you say, a hindsight, it's 2020, you just never know, but – I think putting him through that that little bit of adversity about you know getting fired or whatever really helped him get to where yeah. he is now. I mean, look at him now; he's incredible. Like, yeah. So he's a, he's coached five straight seasons of a hundred plus points now. Yeah. Um, 
So that's pretty amazing right there. He uh, achieved uh, four seasons with the Preds of 100-plus points. And so he's now third all-time and wins all-time in, in career wins in the NHL with 877 wins, um, 156 playoff wins, a career winning percentage of 57% in the regular season, uh, 52% in the playoffs. Uh, just, I mean, it's, it's stuff that you just can't, like, overlook anymore. And so a uh, two-time Jack Adams award winner for best coach. He never won that award with the Predators, though. He yeah. won it with the and, Capitals and with the Islanders. And so um, – Well, and you got to argue also, like, he just had better ingredients. Like, the chef is only as good as the ingredients are cooking with. And That's true. He went to Washington with Ovechkin. And, and granted, he had Shea Weber and some of those guys. I mean, it wasn't like the, the cupboard was bare by the time he left. But we were also starting to see the progress. I mean, I think that it was one of those things where it's, you have to wonder if you give him more time because you look at you know those years where we're, we're starting to get the Shea Webers. We're starting to see Romeosis in the system. Like that took time based on where we started versus where you know the Vegas Golden Knights are starting. But now those people, those pieces are all coming together as we're getting better roster wise. We're starting to see success and really, you know. Yes, he he went. He missed the playoffs twice in a row, but he, he made it to the semifinals, which was a huge progress because we'd never made it past the first round uh, the, the two years before that. And so, you know, I, you always kind of wonder, like, what would that trajectory have been if we had just stayed the course, you know, accepted the fluky season for what it is. 2013-14, the Central was a strong division. But, yeah, he – I mean, the thing is, for me, how much he meant to the community. Like I said before, mm-hmm, uh, yes. he, he was an awesome – community member he it was kind of a cool trajectory because he, he followed david Poyle from washington they're both part of the washington system and he was a minor league hockey coach but uh for those that don't know his son uh, was born down syndrome and so barry trotz does an incredible amount with special olympics still does a lot with special olympics in nashville today um he still holds, has a house in nashville and his family still gives very much back to the community um but just an amazing human being from that regard and you know that that's the the tough part is he's a good leader of men. You know, no matter no matter what his record is, he's been a, a good guy throughout. Never had issues, but you do always wonder what if the one that got away. It, and it's and awesome to it's awesome to see the see the good people like Barry Trotz actually win as well. Like they get yeah. rewarded for it on the ice, and so it's so easy to cheer for a player like uh, Barry or a coach like Barry Trotz. Uh, go ahead, Rich. No, that's that's exactly what I was going to say. It's good to hear. You know, it's, it makes it easier to root for a team when you know – I mean, you know the players, how they are. Like some of them are more standoffish than others, and some of them are, you know, just – you can tell, like Pecorino, for instance, you, you know he's like the most awesome person on the planet. Who just, just won not, the King, Clan, uh, King Clancy Award, so uh, – But when you, hear, when you hear about these guys do good things in their community and how good of a guy Barry Trotz is, it makes it really easy to root for a team like that. So, oh, yeah. And, and honestly, let's talk about this. So um, I don't think it's fair to come at David Poyle too hard for letting Barry Trotz go. Because at that time, honestly, let's let's be honest, he had been here for, for however many years. He was the only – franchise's only coach. It wasn't like Poyle just, like, swept the rug out from under him and didn't give Trotz a chance to do what he did. The team did miss the playoffs – um, two straight years. They they were in that moment at that point where people were waiting for them to make that next step, and they hadn't done it. They had made the playoffs every year pretty much for like eight straight seasons. The Preds went to the playoffs every year. And so 
I'm not going to ever, I'm not going to hold Poyle accountable for that just because now all of a sudden here in the future, I, we, we're, we see very, like, you can't do that. That's not fair to say that. And, and so um, it is as bad as it does hurt to see that Trotz never got to do it for the Predators. You're still obviously happy for Trotz. You oh, yeah. want to see him succeed. And so, um, and Laviolette took us within two wins of winning the Stanley Cup. So obviously it wasn't a terrible decision. But go ahead, Rich. I was going to say, I remember reading an interview. I think it was with Barry Trotz, and he was talking about when he got let go. Um, he said he had always told um, David Poyle, when it's my time to go, just I'll totally understand. Just tell me, and, and it'll be all good. And he said that that's what happened. You know, he got the call, yeah. and he, they, they talked it out, and he, you know, he, was, he was okay with it. So, yeah. It's kind of weird. And really, realistically, you know, I mean, these, the – the ownership never answers to the fan base. They're never publicly outwardly facing. And so they kind of use the, the talking pieces of the CEO and, and, you know, David Poyle. And I think that's kind of what that was too, is that expectations were starting to get higher and higher. Um, yeah. You know, there was a lot of pressure at that time because you think about all the times that Nashville had some relocation discussion. I mean, the Atlanta yeah. Thrashers it ended up being the Thrashers, but people forget that Nashville, the Predators were also considered to go to Winnipeg mm-hmm. instead. And so, you know, there was a lot of pressure to keep the team, but not only had to keep the team, but to make sure the team was successful because they had to fill Bridgestone. You know, we didn't start, you know, selling out Bridgestone until the later years, really, with Laviolette. And so, you know, I, I get that part of it. And business is business. You know, I'm happy to see him succeed, and that's why you know, I still kind of want to see him, see him do it again. I know he's already got a cup, so he's got that monkey off his back. But to see him do it again, it would just be kind of solidifying of like how good of a guy he is, but also how good of a coach he is. We we always will love Dave or not Dave, uh, we'll love him too, but we'll always love <laughs> Barry Trotz. Yeah. We'll always love Barry Trotz for what he did for what he did this for his franchise. Um, and we'll never think enough success is too much success for him. That's how I feel. Exactly. About it. Perfect. It's always, Perfect. Crazy. it's always crazy to look back and think that the Washington Capitals let him go. I mean, that is, well, he made that, the full circle. That, that's yeah. way he made the full more twice. Yeah, he, he, they, I was going to say, they let him go from the minor league system when he won, he won two Calder, tro- or Calder Cup trophies. And then, yeah, he won two Calder Cup trophies before he got to the Preds as a minor league coach. Wow. And he was a minor league coach for the Capitals. And then he gets he goes to Nashville, gets fired. Capitals bring him back as the head coach, and then they don't renew his contract. I and like, like I said, he never got below second place, and that was only one time he got second place. He was yeah, I, remember, place. I remember when all that happened, and I was just like, what are you doing? Like, how can you let this man go? He at least deserves to make another run at the Stanley Cup, you know. Oh I mean, yeah, gosh, well, how could you do that? Whatever. At least, at least when the Preds did it, you could kind of understand it because he'd already been here yeah. for a while, and uh, maybe you you could see it as okay, we've capped out here, like it's time to move on, type of thing. But yeah, the Capitals can't figure that one out, and the Islanders, well, you know what, they've got their coach and. One of the best things around this segment that I like about Barry Trotz is he's so stoic behind the bench. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say mm-hmm. a whole lot. He's just standing back there doing his thing. Doesn't show a lot of emotion. I've seen him show some emotion. I've seen Barry Trotz get angry, but it doesn't yeah. happen very often. He's very yeah. even killed. He's very much just like, you know what? I'm back here and we are going to make this thing happen. And that's what he does. And so yeah. kudos well, to Barry he, Trotz. We he, hope he tried to. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, we hope that he knocks out the Tampa Bay Lightning. We don't want to see a repeat yeah. champion. We don't want to see that. Uh, we want to see that. We want to see the Islanders make it to the cup final. And some of these fan videos we're seeing for the Islanders at some of these uh, restaurants and bars up in New York. They're rowdy. 
They're pretty <laughs> awesome. Easy team to well, cheer for. Very yeah. easy team to cheer for. Did you see the other night when the girl was singing the national anthem and her mic went yes. out and the whole stadium started singing? That was that yes, was, that was very cool. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. It's just yeah. these it's these I'm not saying that New York is a small market fan base, but the New York Islanders fan base, you could argue, is mm-hmm. smaller than some of these Island. fan bases. Yeah. yeah. And so seeing these smaller fan bases is cool. Uh, these niche fan bases, if you will. And so, uh, yeah, let's let's go Islanders. Islanders, Canadians is what we're crossing all of our fingers for here on this podcast. And so let's see if it happens. This is episode 51 of the Catfish and Ice podcast presented by DraftKings, and we are part of the Hockey Podcast Network. This is Chad Minton, Colin Bluen, and Rich Howe bringing you episode 51. And now it's time to start building our all-time Preds lineup. We have every player that's ever wore a Preds uniform at our disposal. And we are going to build a lineup just like John Hines builds a lineup every day. And only we have every player to choose from. And so I got to tell you, this was both fun and also tiring to do this. <laughs> because well, out of a process. It was a lot, though. <laughs> and I can only imagine if we were covering a team that's been around for 50, 60 years. This team's only been around for <laughs> – uh, you know, 22 years, 23 years now, and I still found it very, very excruciating to come up with a, an actual lineup, but it was also fun and yeah. interesting, and so we're going to go line by line. We'll each reveal our first line, then we'll go to our second line, we'll talk, we'll go back and forth, and we'll go in that format. We're going to do our, our top four lines, our forward lines, we're going to save the defense for next episode. And we're going to really reveal if we could – and these are all players in their primes, by the way. And we did put this out on, on Twitter. We asked uh, all of our Twitter followers uh, what they thought about this and to give us some of theirs. And uh, Preds Pessimist, who is always out there uh, putting out some, some of the worst uh, optimistic opinions out there, but they came out and gave out their lineup. Their pessimistic answer was Philip Forsberg – a can of beans and the goal horn was their top line. <laughs> um, their uh, wow. second line was a broken stick. The, <sighs> the press fan that brought the knife to the playoff game and Nash was there. So you can see where this is going from Smashville <laughs> pessimist. But uh, their, their more realistic line was Forsberg, Forsberg, and Korea. And their second line was Neil Hornfist and Steve Sullivan. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so uh, either way, that's Preds Pessimist. But thank you for responding. Uh, we're going to try to come up with some more realistic answers than that. But thank you for the response, uh, Preds Pessimist. Uh, you, you fit the name perfectly there with your answer there. Um, but, uh, all right, I'm going to start with uh, my first line. And then we'll go to Rich. And then we'll finish with Colin on our first lines. You guys cut in if you don't agree with me on my first line. I want I want all the responses uh, this is going to be this. This is meant for debate here. I don't think anyone's going to come together with one solid right answer here. I know. Here's my first mind. line. Here's my first line. I, I got David Legwand centering the first line, and I got to tell you, centers were hard to come by in this in this exercise for the Preds. Let me let me just say that first of all, it's kind of sad to say this is no knock at David Legwand. But it's kind of sad to say that David Legwan is my first-line center in this team's history. Not because he's a bad player, but because there should be better players to pick from. But that's that's my top-line center. 
so here's the thing. I, I, agree with, I, I agree with you on that. I have them there as well. But my methodology is I did I did it based on uh, basically like a points per game from for the forwards. So the okay. highest points per game usually got the spots. David Legwand's still in the top four for our centers, which is also yep. kind of a little sad because it's 0.59. Um, but because he was such a good leader, I put him in that top center line. All right. I mean, he was, he was our first draft pick. He can't not be exactly. sentimental about David Legwand. And centers are so hard to find, and that this exercise proved that to me for this for oh, this gosh, franchise. Yeah. All right, so my my wingers, my wingers for David Legwand on the first line. I think I'm going to get some pushback on this, at least on one of them. Let me first go with the one winger, the left wing, who I think everyone's most going to agree on. It's Paul Korea. Oh yeah, Almost Paul Korea is my Paul Korea is my left wing uh, next to David Legwand. Uh, yeah. Paul Korea, 989 career points, 402 goals. He was an assist machine, 989. So talk about a crazy stat. 989 career points in exactly 989 career games. He was wow. exactly a point per game in his entire well, career. With his Preds, he was a, he was a 0.98 point per game, just to and I, get into the well, details in the weeds when, there. <laughs> but when but I yeah. picked players, when I picked players, whole career. I, I went off their whole career when they were in their prime, as long as they you. wore a Preds uniform. But uh, I So you. I took – and when he played for the Preds, he was still very he dynamic. He was really, really good. He was yeah. like the first – he was actually the first dynamic, you know, star, superstar player the Preds ever had. Uh Pretty much, like when he came in. Arguably the best offensive weapon we've ever had, yeah, for sure. That was big time at the time. Uh, and he's the, he, uh, like like Colin just said, all-time Preds leader in points per game at 0.98. And so he leads that leads that total. Uh, Rich, do you have either Korea or David Legwan on your top line? No. Oh. All right, well, we're going to let you. Hey, we're going to let you. Suspense is killing me. You're not going to reveal uh, it yet then. I'm almost We're going to let you. We're gonna no. We're gonna let you wait. No, no. We're gonna let you. Well, we're gonna so let you know wait. So you know what's super frustrating about Paul Korea is that he was like we talk about. We needed like this elite scorer, right? He was that elite scorer. The reason he didn't stay is because he wasn't certain that Nashville was gonna stay in Nashville because Craig Leopold was selling the team. That's what um, frustrates me is that he didn't want to leave Nashville. He just wasn't sure that they were gonna stay in Nashville. And if that was the case, he wanted to go somewhere where he could have some permanence. Wow. That's frustrating. That I is mean, frustrating. We could have. We could have got another at least another three or four good years out of him, but and he was he was a great player, so he's easily on on my top line. My my right wing, I think it's gonna get some pushback. I don't think a lot of people are gonna agree with me on this, but I, I'm being strategic here. I there's a method All to right. my madness. So as I start <laughs> unveiling the rest of my lineup, you might come back around with me here. But I went with Patrick Hornfist on my top line. Right. I did, hmm. I did. His net front presence was something to behold. This guy scored dirty goals. I When he went to Pittsburgh, that was hard to watch. And he kept producing at the same level when he went to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And so uh, I know that might be a little bit like, oh, my gosh, he's on your top line all time in Preds history. That's saying something really bad about the Preds. I get it. But when it comes to Hornfist, he makes sense where I put him. And I'm also going by who they what positions they primarily played in their career. And yeah, so I'm not going to put a I'm not going to put a primary left wing player on the right wing just cuz he's better than Hornfist and put him on my top line. I really went that deep into it. 
And so, well, and by, the, by the numbers, he's still in the top twelve forwards for the National Predators historically. Yeah. He's he's in my lineup. He's not in the first line, but he's in my lineup. So I'll give you that. So that's my top line. Let's go to Rich here. Let's 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 hear Rich's uh, top line. All right. So here's the thing. And there are no wrong answers here, Rich. So, so don't be worried. This is really cool because, like, I know you guys know that I haven't watched the Predators as long as you guys have, and it's kind of cool to get this history. You're talking about Barry Trotz. You're gonna you're gonna talk a little more in depth about all these guys who I know their names. This Just, is kind uh, of a history lesson episode 51 here. We're kind of going back into the vault here. Yeah. yeah. So so my top line when I started watching these guys were were the were uh were it. So the center, Ryan Johansson. Okay. Go ahead and say go say the other two. Victor Arson. So the so the Jofa line is your top yeah. line on the Preds all time lineup. Hey, when I started watching, that's that's exactly why I went. But, but, but guess what, Rich? To your defense, when they were in their prime and when they were in their heyday, mm-hmm. they were unstoppable. Yeah, they were President's why. Trophy winning top line. If yeah. we're if we're if we're if we're living by mm-hmm. what's going on now, then it's easy to bash oh. your choice here. Yeah, but if you want to go back to when they were dominant, they were dominant. They didn't yeah. get the Jofa line tag for nothing. Right. Yeah. They That's were dominant. Yeah. So it's not and a bad choice, Rich. It really is. It's kind of sad because like they, I, I feel like they could have continued on with that and been like stayed together and done and done better than they did. It's but just, just remember, we're building a, a a complete starting lineup here. We're build, building a fantasy right. lineup here. So yep. just because your first line's that, we're trying to build a complete lineup here. So, yep. uh, Colin, did you uh, did you uh, give us your complete top line? I know you had Paul no, Korea so, and, and David Leg one. Yeah, my my right winger was actually Martin Erat. Okay, Martin Erat, so, Mar- very good scorer, Go very very good. Give us some things tough. about Martin Erat. Yeah, I mean, on both sides of it, he played really well in terms of yes. you know, his his ability to play both sides of the puck. He was, you know, offensive forward, but also had some good defensive prowess, um, and you could you could rely on him. He was he was a we we're lucky our, our right wings. I mean, we've had some we're pretty shallow at right wing, but you know, I would say that Martin Rewright, he's in the top you know two. So if that tells you anything in terms of points per game, he was a zero point six six. So that's kind of how I broke mine down. He's not the all time highest points per game right winger that we've had, but he's second. So and I'll get into the next guy, the guy that's in front of him. But he was a uh, he. I feel like he would have paired well with David Leguan and Ball Korea. He brought more yeah. physicality than those two. Erat Erat wasn't necessarily flashy by all means, but he just got the no. job done. And, exactly. and, and, and yeah, he was a, he was a he good was, player to watch. He was a he was Craig part Smith of those, before Craig Smith. He was a, he was a big part of those early Preds teams. And then yeah. we traded Martin Erat for Philip Forsberg and the Capitals. Uh, they didn't get much out of that, but it's it's one thing that we can always uh, love on there. <laughs> We we got him when he was good. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's what matters. All right, let's go to our second line here. So so Rich had Philip Forsberg on his top line. Philip Forsberg is coming in hot on my second line here for me. Yep. He is my left wing on my second line. I'm feeling really good about my second line here, actually. Uh you gotta have a good top six if you're gonna compete. And if we're building a Preds all time lineup, then it better be good. And so I got Phil Forsberg on my second line. I thought about putting him on my top line. I had to think about it long and hard. I really did. But uh, I kept him on, on my second line for now. And I couldn't put him ahead of Paul Correa. I couldn't do it. And so um, I got Phil Forsberg there. My center is Mike Fisher, actually, on, on the second line. 
And I also had to think hard about that, but I did have him there because when he was on the ice playing, he was a very great player. He made things happen. He was, he was just, he did a little bit of everything. And so I had him as my second line center uh, also as a captain. And so you got to have a good leader there in that slot. And then my right wing, again, I had, I struggled with my right wing, even on the second line, but guess who I put in there? Scott Hartnell. Scott Arnold was a left winger, though. He yeah, but he played a little bit of both. I researched it. Okay, went back okay. Back. it's so hard to pick these guys because you know they switch but all the time. He he was very very. If we're building an all time lineup, he could play right wing. He could. He he could. I, I differed from you a little bit. I differed from you a little but bit. I, I had Scott that. Hartnell in there, but let me talk about Hartnell for a little bit. Hartnell was a hard hitting player. He was he did oh, not yeah. shy away from contact. He was he had that swagger about him. He was a uh, He's another player that was hard to see go. He went to Philly, and when he went to Philly, he flourished. Like, I mean, he became a fan favorite in Philly quickly. Um, uh, he's 10th on the Preds list in all time in goals with 106. Seven years in Nashville, 32 power play goals. But he really took off once he hit Philly. And then, uh, like I said, just had a tons of swagger, hard hitter. Uh, I'll take him on my second line. I know he's not primarily a right winger, but he could make it work. I like that. I like that second line. I'm sorry. Hartnell, Forsberg, and Fisher. I think they would bring a little bit of everything. Physicality, but they have a scoring threat. They have a little bit of everything. That's my second line. Uh, Colin, what's your second line look like, man? So I got Philip Forsberg. That's kind of the obvious one. I mean, he All right. you yeah. want to put him in that top one, but he he's just not there yet. But he's he's on his way. He's got just needs to take that next step. He's got to yes. get out of, he's got to get out of February and make it you know, Fred, Philip Forsberg March. I mean, that's what we need to see, but yes. he, he was my second, uh, my second line left wing. Uh, I had Jason Arnett as a, my second line center. Um, okay. Craig, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and rip the bandaid off right now. Craig Smith. He was in my honorable mentions. He was in my fifth line. So I'm going to, uh, and I'll oh. explain that later. Well, I'll explain why I, I have, a, I have an honorable mention list too. So we'll, we'll get into those that in there. Rip the bandaid <laughs> but, uh, off though. Cause that's, I, I got it. If you if you guys are waiting to hear Mike Fisher's name, it's not going to happen until after I've already announced the starters. So he's a healthy okay. scratch. Sorry about that. All right. it's um, okay. And I like I said, my methodology was totally on points per game based on the position and based on the players uh, okay. while they were with the Preds. So it, was, it wasn't during their career; it was just their time as Preds and points per game players. And that's how I made this up. Uh, so my right wing, my second line right wing, um, actually the best points per per game player to play right wing for us. Surprisingly, is JP Dumont. Uh, yeah, JP Dumont was another <laughs> I know player that was all over my radar. No, he was all over my radar when I was building this lineup. Actually, yeah, it, it's it's a little bit of a head scratcher because he's not the first thing you think of as like the best right winger we've ever had, which says a lot about the right wing position that we've that we've had. Is that the best guy? The guy that had the best, you know, in terms of career points per game is JP Dumont, but. There where we're go. at, unfortunately, as a franchise. Dumont was a, Dumont was a good player, though. He was another one of those blue-collar, hard-hitting players. Uh, just went out there and did his job, was hardworking, uh, made clutch goals when they were needed. Uh, yeah. That was around those early years when the Preds were finally starting starting to become a perennial playoff team. So he was a part of that core. He was a part of that foundation. Logged some pretty good penalty minutes, so <laughs> – all right, Rich. Who's on your second line? You've already trotted out the Jofa line as your top line, so you you guys have already named all of them. So leg wand at center. I mean, that's a given. That's Paul so Korea, great. Paul Korea, and then Erat Marty Erat. 
Hey, so we got the first second line. We're just a little yeah. I just I just split them like you know. Yeah, it's okay. Everybody that we're talking about, they all had great careers with Nashville. They did well, so it's kind of like moving around. But in a fantasy world, in a fantasy world, I'm telling you, Paul Cree is going to be a little pissed off that he's not on that top line. Right, he might be, but. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do? He's, he's gonna be a little upset with Coach Rich Howe. I've never even seen him play. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So uh, let's go to the third line here. And so I I have Jason Arnett as my third line center, but I really wanted to put him on the second line. For me, it's kind of interchangeable. But I threw Arnett on the on the third line for me. And you just said Craig Smith is not even on your starting lineup, Colin. I actually have Craig Smith as my third line right wing. Craig Smith added as a center. That's the problem. So I played. I played. He, he played on winger though. He played he winger. He was versatile. He did, but he was always listed at programs as centers. So that, that's why. Yeah. And, he, and I had him in my mentions. Him and Mike Fisher both were not were not in my top my top twelve. I put I, I put him in my lineup as a, as a winger just because he did play he had a lot of good time at winger as well he was one of those players that was interchangeable mm-hmm. and so uh, I, I have Craig Smith as my right winger and I have my left winger as Martin Erat so we're kind of starting to say the same players where they're, they're just on different different lines let, let me talk about Erat real quick you talked about him a little bit earlier in this segment but Erat was 11 years in Nashville uh, 481 points. Here with the Predators, 318 assists, uh, 26 game-winning goals. He's a great puck handler. He he was good at holding possession of the puck in the zone, and he's third on the Preds all-time in assists with 318. And he'll be there for a while. If you look at the assist list for the uh, Preds all-time, there's no one really close to him that's going to pass him anytime soon. And so uh, he's he, he was a great assist assist player, and so. He he's he would be an important part on that third line for me if I'm building an all-time Preds lineup. Who's on your third line, Colin? So I got so for me, like back to like the Mike Fisher and Craig Smith thing real quick. For me, like I said, this is based on points per game. Neither of them are above the top twelve I have in the points per game. So I'll say that. They're four, they're thirteenth okay. and fourteenth. But uh for me, the next guy actually he's our statistically our second best left winger uh historically, and that's Steve Sullivan. He's on the left wing. Uh, he's centered by our third best statistically. Well, actually, not even. Uh, well, yeah, he is third best. A third best uh, statistical center, which is Ryan Johansson currently. I know some Pred fans might feel a bit better about that. He's a little, a little bit of a drop off. We can't remember. We can't forget how hot he came in to this mm-hmm. team. I mean, at the time, we got value from him. We we really did. So, gotta consider that. And then the right wing for that that line is Victor Arvidsson. So, basically, Jofo without uh, Forsberg and instead put in Steve Sullivan. Good. Well, there you go. There All right. Go. What about you, Rich? So I did. Uh, so Mike Fisher at center, Steve Sullivan, and JP Dumont. Based that's on, a good line. Based on that's points, damn, that's a pretty damn good third line right there. Yeah. 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 So I felt that that was pretty good, pretty decent one there. So. All right, fourth line. Fourth line for me. I got Ryan Johansson at center, and honestly, like I was searching for other centers. That can maybe put oh. ahead of him, and I could. I got find one. one. I got one for you. It's going to surprise you. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, there's a lot of centers who are listed as center but didn't play a lot of center. But I got Ryan Johansson as a true center, obviously, on my fourth line. I got Steve Sullivan. Couldn't leave him out. Uh, I put him in my fourth line. He was interchangeable for me. I could have put him on the third line. 
Uh, and then I got JP Dumont as the uh, on that line as well. So Steve, my fourth line is Steve Sullivan, Ryan Johansson, and JP Dumont is my fourth line for the Preds all time lineup. And what what do you have, Colin? So my center, and this is going to be a little bit of the wild card for you guys. Center is point uh, seven five points per game. Cliff Roning. And Cliff that, Roning that's someone else. He's on my center. he's uh, Cliff Roning's on my honorable mention. He was on the inaugural Preds team, and he was—I mean, he was probably one of our better, probably one of the he best was. players we had right he from was. the get-go. He was, you know, he was one of those guys that came from the third I think, line. I, I think if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he came from the Arizona Coyotes. We got him in the expansion draft <laughs> from the Arizona yep. Coyotes. He was considered a really good. He was considered one of the better players that we got out of the expansion draft. Yep. So, and then my, my left wing is uh, the real deal, James Neal at .62 points right. per game. And then my right wing is Patrick Hornquist at uh, 0.59 points per game. So I've got Hornquist on my first line. You've got Hornquist on your fourth line. So there you go that's right good. there. That's yep. That's good, though. That's I like I'll that. I like it's, that. It's a, depth, it's a depth move. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually good. think that's a really good fourth line there. Yep. All right, Rich. Are so you going to say uh, the herd line? Rich, if you say the herd line, I'm not, then I'm going to laugh my ass off. I'm not. that. I would never say that. I know better than to say that. So I went uh, Jason Arnott in the center. I dig it. Then I did Craig Smith at right wing. Here's the here's the left. The most consistent person that's played for them in recent years, Callie Yarncroft. Oh, I, I wanted to put Callie Yarncroft in there. Callie Yarncroft made your all time Fred team. That's I will awesome. tell you, I am a huge Yarncroft fan. I, I think he is one of the most consistent dudes on the team. He can play versatile. He's very versatile. Can play lots of positions. I mean, I really like him a lot. So I, I hope they don't. I didn't even mm-hmm. consider Cal Yarncroke on my all-time Preds yeah. list. Not because I, I don't think he's a great player, but I just I couldn't find room for him. I really didn't even yeah. think about him. Yeah, he's he's up there in terms of our statistics. He's he's kind of like in the middle of everything. Is the way yeah. I looked at it. Right. But but, and that's why and that's why I was like, okay, he's very consistent. But the thing is, I couldn't find like where he really stood out right. in terms of the other players. And I, I actually had him initially in my center conversation, and then I started looking deeper in these other guys. And I was like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't that's do tough. that. Yeah, that is tough. Because it seems like he I only plays center like every once, like he doesn't do it like all the time. I mean, yeah. like, like it's usually when they just need him to. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Do, do we want to get into our honorable other honorable mentions? Yeah, let's get into our honorable mentions here. So my honorable mention list is um, is is Colin Wilson. I thought about him for a little bit, but he just didn't do it long enough and consistently enough for a long enough period of time. He was more or less like a quick, like he was there when he was there. He was awesome, but he just didn't last long enough. So, but I, Colin Wilson was on my uh, honorable mention. Alexander Radulov. He's on my honorable mention because he was an outstanding player when he was here. Hmm. Let, let's go ahead and just forget about it. I know Colin is already shaking his head at me for bringing him up. Uh, Cliff, Ronning, Cliff Ronning was on my honorable mention, and so you had Cliff Ronning on your uh, fourth line, Colin. I did not. I had him in my honorable mention. And Peter Forsberg. There's another Forsberg. Yeah, Peter sure. Forsberg. I know he didn't play for the Preds very yeah. long, but I took this exercise as, as – if they wore a Preds uniform, they're up for grabs in their prime. And Peter Forsberg, I didn't put him in there because he just didn't play long enough for the Preds, but he's still an honorable mention. He was one of those uh, mid-season moves the Preds made to say, hey, we're going for it here, and it didn't really work out. But uh, Peter Forsberg 
was. Uh, he, did, he had like 15 points in 17 games. I mean, yeah, yeah, he he played well for oh. them. They just they were they just weren't able to keep him after that season. Yeah. He was yeah. towards the end of his career too at that point. Yeah. So. Well, he's kind of like the Brett Favre of hockey because he tried to retire and then he tried to come back with the Avalanche and. Yeah, yeah. Gotta, gotta, gotta love them. My yeah. honorable mentions, I, I kind of did them in lines as well. So my first honorable mention line was Sergei Kasitsin at the left wing, uh, Mike oh, yeah. Fisher That's at the center, and then Scott Walker at the at the right wing. Scott uh, Walker's then, another good one. Scott Walker's a solid one, especially leadership perspective. So, and then my uh, my second honorable mention line was uh, Scott Hartnell. I did have Hartsey there, and that uh, that honorable mention line, Craig Smith as a center, and then Joel Ward as my right winger. That's good. Joel Ward's another good one. Yeah, he was yeah. a good player. Uh, so you have a couple honorable mentions that made my lineup. So we're all over the board here. Like none of us are actually like right on, and that's kind of how the Preds are. Honestly, I mean, like the Preds have always had like a lot of really good role players. They've never had a ton of superstars. They've Mm -hmm. never had a ton of players who are like, for sure, this player is a superstar. Yeah. Of course we have Pecorine. Of course we have Roman Yossi. Those two are kind of like, yes, they're bona fide superstars. But over the team's history, mm-hmm. it, it's been a team that's more a sum of its parts than it is a le- led by just one or two superstars, which yeah. is what it takes to win a Stanley Cup. So it's not it's not a bad formula. But looking back at some of these Preds teams, it was definitely every person has to do their job or we're not going to win this. It's not led by superstars. We've never had a player above a point per game pro- point per game pace. We've, we've always had guys underneath that. And the closest we've ever gotten yep. was Paul Correa. And then the next closest after that is Steve Sullivan. So it's kind of like, yeah, it, it's tough because we've never, I mean, look at Alex Ovechkin. The guy is more than, he's a 1.2 point per game player. We'd never had that guy. We'd never been low enough in the draft to get him, but we'd always been, you know, too high to, to kind of really be in that spot. So yeah. maybe someday, Preds fans. <laughs> so do we have some, yeah. so a good question to, to round out this segment is do we have someone in the system right now who could maybe be that? Could it be one Ellie day Philip Tomasino? Could it be Ellie Tolvanen? Well, either, either of those have the potential. Ellie Tolvanen has to round out. Ellie Tolvanen has to become a more of an even strength player before I can consider that. He can't yeah. do it all on the power play. Like He has to be an all-around player. And he, there's plenty of time for him to do that. I'm not saying the book's written on him by any means. I still no. think – I still have hope that Philip Forsberg can become that 40-goal scorer and 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 reach that, maybe not a point-per-game pace, I'm not saying that, but reach that maybe a 70-point plateau, it could still happen. Yeah. I mean, um, he's 0.77. I mean, he's close. He's There's that one step. You just – you know – He's got that next level he could get to. It's just when's he going to take that step? And we're kind of banking on the fact that it's going to be with us because you got to think we're going to resign him. But yeah. we're hoping and praying it's with us. But he looks and you watch him play. It's like he has another level to his game. He's just not there yet. I'm hoping next season that if you know they resign all the guys or whoever you know who doesn't get taken in the expansion or whatever that they can get some consistency in the first line for him. Cause I think that's what it's going to take is just yeah. the same playing with the same guys and just getting to know them. So I don't know, hopefully that'll work out. Yeah. We want him to take that step for obviously, sure. but it, and he's definitely capable of it. It's just, I think it's just uh, the, the team around him has struggled so much. So yep. you forgot my honorable mention. All right. So we're kind of, 
Lucas Pisa. Oh, give, give us your honorable mentions there. Rich. Get out of here with that. Lucas Pisa. He can play any position. Of course he's on your honorable mentions. <laughs> of course we're he's even, on your We're not even on defensemen. We're not even on well, defensemen. Hey, Save him for I, next I, week. I'm, I'm not confident in I him. Think Eric, <laughs> I think Eric Branson's also in your honorable probably. <laughs> I'm going to log off. And Corbinian, uh, <laughs> Cor- Corbinian, Cor- Corbinian Holzer is probably in he, there for you. I mean, can I think? Can I think of any more washed-up defensemen that this team has signed over the years that you can go ahead and throw in your honorable mention? It's insane. It's insane. I mean, it's just crazy. I don't get it. <laughs> All right, quick update before we round out yeah. episode fifty-one. Uh, the Golden Knights are now three on the Canadians, uh, coming down towards the end of the second period. That's what I'm seeing on the scoreboard. Uh, so let's see if the Canadians can come back and 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 give the Golden Knights a a run for their money there. Uh, so we, uh, next week's episode, episode 52, we're, you know, we've still got to talk about the draft. We haven't even talked about the NHL draft coming up. We're going to wait until the off season gets going a little bit more. We're going to do a whole episode dedicated to the NHL draft. Uh, start studying some of these prospects in this draft class. I'm starting to looking at it a little bit. There are some really good prospects out there that the press should be looking at. So stay tuned for that in, in a future episode. Uh, this has been episode 51 of the Catfish and Ice podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network presented by DraftKings. And this is Chad Mitten, Rich Howe, and Colin Bloom. And uh, to reach out to us on Twitter and all social media at Catfish Ice. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, we will see you next week. We'll see today. Enjoy all the sports that are going on out there. And we will see you next week. See you. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is For You With Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, this game. This game, is, this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually, they actually make me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melting? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network.